0: Hey, thanks for being here this morning. Um, Maricopa County recently in the news because a detention officer was, uh, was allegedly has been accused of bringing contraband into the jail systems. The sheriff spoke out about this. There have been overdoses at the jail as well of inmates. And we're seeing more and more as fentanyl is so dangerous, more and more overdose situations. So the sheriff uh, was talking about putting scanners in that not only are they for inmates, but also visitors, attorneys, and for staff. It is going to be a change that the sheriff is looking at making. He joins us now, Sheriff. Penzone, welcome back to the show,
1: Michael. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing well. Let's talk about this program because I was reading through some of the plans, and it seems to be very well thought out. Can you give us the basics of what this would look like?
1: Now, fundamentally just any entry point into the jail. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody is being screened. We want to make sure we do everything possible to make it a drug free contraband, free, excuse me, contraband, free jail to keep inmates safe, to keep our detention officers safe. And we also have medical staff and other visitors. So I have the responsibility to do everything within my you know, capabilities to, to mitigate those threats. And that's what this is, a significant step in that direction.
0: When it comes to staff, namely the detention officers, um, the pushback would be one bad apple doesn't mean every one of us have to go through this. How do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, and that's something that we had a lot of discussion about. because I can tell you that some of the folks on my executive level were concerned. Uh, I, I have the utmost confidence in my staff. They are the consummate professionals with high integrity. Unfortunately, and, and you're talking to a guy who's been in this business for three decades, and I worked narcotics for a lot of that time. Fentanyl is unlike any drug we've ever seen before. You know, this isn't the first time drugs have gotten to jail. And it's probably not the first time an employee has tried to bring drugs into the jail. But it is absolutely the first time that we see a drug that has this type of devastation along with it, which means it's not just ingesting and overdosing. It can be just exposure and having a health condition or potentially costing you your life. So, you know, I just ask my employees, understand that we are doing two things we're ensuring that the community trusts that we are deserving of this authority. And we're also doing everything possible to make sure that you go home safe at the end of the day. And that means also being responsible for the, the care and custody of inmates so it is you know it's a process that's going to be streamlined it's going to be um you know a, a show of respect towards our employees when they go through this process but it is a, a strong statement that as an organization um we are going to be transparent we're going to be accountable and we're going to do everything possible to make the environment safe
0: will employees be going through these same scanners that inmates that, that people that are incarcerated in your jails go through
1: No, we were very matter of fact in in our commitment to make sure that we respect our employees. And and that doesn't mean we mistreat inmates, but they have their own you know, space and place where they, they enter, where they secure things. Um, and the equipment that we selected was very specific. Because of the high volume of times they will have to go through it, we need to make sure we protect their health. We also, and there are little things, Mike, that you wouldn't even think of. We're not going to make them walk through and put their hands in the air as though they're, uh, you know, they're under arrest. We pick a scanner out where you walk through and you're facing, your arms are down, and you're standing in a general position, and it's, it's a relatively quick, a few-second scan. Um, the actual graphic and stuff you wouldn't think of. The graphic itself is a, an avatar. It's not your actual body shape, but it shows on the avatar if there is some type of foreign object on your person, in which case then we'll check for that. Um, but we want to make sure that we're respectful to our employees first and foremost as we try to protect them.
0: Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzone is joining us. Um, can you tell us what the initial expenses on this, the long term expenses and how those costs will be covered?
1: Yeah, so we have cost savings in this year's budget, which means that because I'm coming in under budget, there are dollars already available that we can spend specifically for this. So it's not going to be additional taxpayer dollars. And I, and if I remember correctly, the cost for I think we're purchasing seven scanners and, and we chose those that were state of the art and that, that met our expectations. And I believe the cost is right around three million. Um, and then we're going to we're going to hire five forty to forty five We'll call them security officers who are solely responsible for that um, that process because what I don't want to do is I don't want to have detention officers pulled out of the knee that we have or already shorthanded. And I don't want them responsible to kind of judge and assess their own peers i don't think that'd be appropriate i think it it undermines the the integrity of the process so we're going to hire about 40 to 45 security officers to man these twenty four seven all all five of the jails and we expect that cost to be right around two million dollars annually but again because we're so short staffed we have the uh you know we have the vacancy ratio to cover those costs and and i hope that someday we're so full that suddenly i have to you know go to the taxpayers and say all right the two million dollars is in addition to the the fees needed to staff the jails. But right now we're so understaffed that it's not going to impact our budget whatsoever. And,
0: and I know that, um, that you and I have talked about, I'm talking about it on the air quite a bit about recruiting, that you are actively recruiting detention officers right now. How will this play a role in that? Do you think it's a deterrent that they're not going to want to? Or do you think that because of this new technology, they're going to feel safer going into the jail? How does that play into your recruiting process?
1: Right, I think you were, you were being kind there. You said, I'm recruiting, we're recruiting, buddy. We're in this together now. You've been an exceptional partner to help us in this effort. I, I believe that when you set a high standard and and you expect your employees to show the world why we're different than anywhere else, that we we are willing to do what is um, inconvenient to prove our worth and to make sure that people are safe, I think that's more appealing. You know, people, anybody who wants to cut corners and, and, and deny what, the importance of ethics or integrity, that's probably an organization that I don't want to be a part of. And not probably, it's absolutely an organization that I don't want to be a part of. And I believe the people in this organization feel the same way. They want MCSO to stand above the rest, not only across the nation, but across the world. So this is a significant step. And, and I've used the word legacy when I was talking to the Board of Supervisors. But this is a legacy moment. This defines who we are and what we stand for. And, and I hope that our employees, I'm sure there will be some naysayers, but if they embrace it, uh, my hope is that we see it statistically, that we see a decline in overdoses, that are. Our, our folks are folks more vigilant when we're searching inmates, and you've seen that in the past two months, a lot more seizures of fentanyl. Um, we're just going to set the tone by being a consummate professional and doing what's necessary to keep people safe.
0: We know that uh, part of the problem here is inmates are, are people, friends, or visitors bringing things in. But can you talk about, there's such a family atmosphere in law enforcement, much like the military. It is, it is truly a family. Can you talk about what it does to morale when one of their own is part of the problem when this one, with the detention officer? Or was accused, what does that accusation do to morale?
1: Oh, it's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking, hopefully short-term, because if you don't respond in a way that redefines who you are, then it can take a negative toll. But here's a person that you work next to. You, you put yourself in harm's way for their safety. Um, you, you believed in them, and then you find out that potentially they were responsible or at least attempting to, to bring drugs in jail. And, and you think about it in the most basic form, like drugs in the jail, potentially an inmate overdosing and dying. You don't think about the fact that an impaired inmate, is a danger not only to himself, but to others, meaning the detention officers that become more violent or more difficult to manage. Uh, You don't think about the fact that our detention officers now are trying to save lives by delivering Narcan or CPR. So all the additional weight of trying to manage someone who is impaired or has access to drugs. And that doesn't include just the fact that you put your hands on those drugs and you could have a reaction that could cost you your life. So it's heartbreaking to think that one of your own would do that. Um, that's why it's so much more important that we say, okay, health and safety for our employees is first and foremost. That's why this significant step um, for me was an easy one. We did our homework. I don't want you to, to, to think that, you know, we just kind of rush right through it. We did our homework, but it was not a difficult decision for me.
0: Sheriff, it's always good to catch up with you. I appreciate the time and I hope you'll come back. Thanks, big man. I appreciate you. You have a great day. All right. That's Sheriff Paul Penzone, Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, talking about the possibility of scanners in the jail system for employees. One more level of protection against contraband into the, into the facilities. Coming up in a moment, parents here in Arizona marching in favor of school choice. We'll talk about the details in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. School choice, still a big topic. Parents marched yesterday on the state capitol. My child, my choice. Education for all. These are parents in favor of the school voucher program. Parents, other educators. A couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, I just found out, I've just, and I'm. I'm working on this um, through a friend of uh, pictures of a student at a Phoenix high school um, carrying a gun. Uh, took the pictures, put them up on social media um, now obviously we're, well, i don 't know the kid 's name i 'm not posting pictures of a kid, but um, these are the kinds of things that are scaring parents and scaring teachers we 've talked about teacher retention, teacher pay raises. I agree with all of those things, but when you look at the school system as a whole, when you look and, and I know it sounds like I pick on Phoenix Union quite a bit, but it 's upsetting a couple of years ago in a political move it wasn 't just that they did it it wasn 't a cost saving measure they got rid of school resource officers. They They said they had their own safety plan and they were getting rid of school resource officers. Why? Because some students didn't feel safe around the police. That is a defund the police attitude that's absolutely ludicrous. It doesn't work in big cities with less police and it's not working in the school systems. I hear from teachers often in the Phoenix school districts. I hear from them often, especially at the high school level. They don't feel safe. The good students don't want to go to the restroom because of what's happening in the restrooms. And it's it, it's not everywhere. I'm not screaming that this is um, it is unsafe in all the Phoenix schools. I'm saying it's happening. And it's happening more and more because there are not officers on campus to keep this under control. There are security people, but it's different. That's one of the reasons why they're opening back up the conversations about school resource officers. So we understand that the reason why parents are demanding school choice it is many different levels. Part of it is curriculum. Part of it is they feel as if school boards are not listening to them. When they went with concerns, they have been shut down. They've been called domestic terrorists. Others are results. I've talked about the Baltimore school district of many schools where kids can't read or perform math skills at grade level. I'm talking no children in some of these schools, zero children in over 20 schools in Baltimore zero children in over 50 schools in Chicago. Minneapolis, St. Paul, there are 10 schools where zero children are proficient in math. This is in 10 elementary and high schools in Minneapolis Public School District and St. Paul Public Schools in Minnesota. Statewide in Minnesota, there are more than 19 schools where zero students are proficient Now, when you take that statistic and, you know, you say and I've heard the defense is, well, it's a very small number, a percentage of schools. It shouldn't be in any schools. It shouldn't be in any schools. It's interesting of of the the way we think, handle things in our mind. Um, One of the weird things I do every week, and it usually comes out on Wednesday or Thursday at, 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 at A.Z. Central, is they give a report of the restaurant inspections across the valley. Hundreds of restaurants get inspected every week, and there's always a few restaurants that have four or five violations, and some of them are gross. And I want to read those and see if I recognize the restaurant. And then you, then they show the grade A restaurants, the ones that are above reproach. And, and I, as a matter of fact, just coincidentally, there was one of them, a restaurant I just was at recently with my mom when she was in town. We were at Rinaldi's Deli out in Scottsdale. It's a great place. I, I know the owner, um, and I was so happy to see that they were one of the A-grade restaurants. They were top of the line, which is the expectation. I know him. I knew he would run a great business. But when you see that a rating, you feel good. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But when you see these businesses that have one or two violations or five violations and multiple times they have violations, America or I would say Arizona shouts, shut them down. Why would, you let them, why would we have an operation – why we have a system of inspection out there? If they're failing to keep a clean kitchen, shut them down, suspend them, fine them huge amounts of money, do whatever it takes to get the message across to them that this is unacceptable. Well, here we are. We've got schools in Arizona that are failing, and all across the country, we've got districts where zero students, you mean to tell me that there's not one student in that school that's proficient in math, and that's okay with people, not one, that's an issue, whose fault is that? I mean, what is going on? So instead of just bash, bash, bash all the time, why not come up with solutions, we are seeing there's 36 A-plus schools in Arizona, according to uh, some of the studies and uh, that are being done. How do we multiply that? What are the good school districts where they have a higher rate of efficiency and a higher rate of passage and kids reading at grade level and performing math skills at grade level? How do we duplicate that? How do we multiply that around the state? Education is changing, and it should be changing. Education is changing. And if you've got kids in the Phoenix Union High School District and you're finding out, and I don't know how this is in a bigger story, and I would imagine within the next couple of days you're going to be hearing more about it. When you've got a student that is so brazen that not only are they bringing a gun to school, they're taking pictures of themselves in the school with guns and posting them on social media. Parents have a right to be terrified. And I'm anxious to see what happens with this. I'm anxious to see what direction this goes. And obviously, because it's a minor, um, no, no one's posting the pictures online and no one's saying what this kid's name is. But parents, you have a right to ask, what's going on? And I think it's a great question to ask. Coming up in a moment, the Valley economy is among the most resilient nationwide during the pandemic and post-pandemic. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. strong values and strong opinions the mike broomhead show ktar news 923 fm and the ktar news app hey thanks for being here i appreciate you spending some time here with the show um phoenix metro economy among the most resilient nationwide amid pandemic rep- uh, amid the pandemic according to reports uh, this was done intentionally there's a lot of i talk about intentional growth intentional a lot of things done intentionally the older i get the, the more i learn about these things when i was younger i just figured you know stuff happens and it did you know um, I didn't take uh, as much as I love what I do now when this all first started to happen for <laughs> me when I first started to be asked to be guest at places more often and speak in front of groups of people be on the radio as a fill-in host I never took it seriously as a I never pursued it let's put it that way and the doors kind of open for me so that's just the way I treated it and you find out that the more you get into something the deeper you get into something if you really want to Excel, if you really want to be good at something, doesn't matter what your talent or skill level is, it's got to be intentional. And you have to set goals and you have to do things and practice. If you're a football player, I've told this story so many times, I apologize if you've heard me say it before. But as a very young man, I was teammates with Dion Sanders. Coach Prime and I were Pop Warner teammates together in Fort Myers, Florida for an organization that's now – I think they're called the Cats or the Cats. now. They were called the Rebels when we were kids. And he was a superstar. I mean a superstar, even at the age of 12 and 13 years old. He went on to play high school sports and was a superstar and a captain on his team in football, baseball, and basketball. He went on to college. He was a superstar baseball and, fo- and football player. He went into the NFL and he became a Hall of Famer. But I can tell you what he had, in. and not only did he have a supreme amount of talent, he had a work ethic there. It got to a point where you realize that... That Your skill set is not going to take you as far as you can go. You have to have a work ethic to go along with it. When you look at the growth we've had in Arizona, it had to be intentional. The lessons we learned after the market crash of 08 and 09 where the Arizona economy was in such a bad place and the horrible decisions that the state legislature and former Governor Brewer had to make in order to stabilize our economy but once that was done and her term in office it ended and Governor Ducey took the governor's office and there was an an intent. He took his business acumen. He sat down with leaders and I I wasn't privy to any of those meetings but it was intentional growth. It was working with the Chamber of Commerce using events like the WM Phoenix Open and the Super Bowl and, and Barrett Jackson and these major events were big business owners and barons of business were coming. Um, I've talked about cities that have done the same thing and I've mentioned them many times. I have friends that are in the city of Mesa with the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Mesa with their business development office. It was intentional in how they grew. Intentional how they diversified. How they were bringing higher end businesses which means those employees make more money and they want higher end housing. So everybody's property value goes up and being intentional in how you do things the economy in our valley didn't just get lucky it didn't it took intent it took intentional growth and i'm glad that we did it there there's also a story in here about I, i have more people in arizona i think we're fifth in the country in um people that quit their jobs and i found that to be interesting because um People are quitting their jobs. I just got a great message from someone, and I wish I could take credit for this saying, but it was actually uh, someone that just heard us talking about this and sent me a message on Facebook and said there's an old saying that says people don't quit their jobs, they quit their managers. And I thought, man, it's so funny because that that resonated with me immediately. And if it resonates with me, I imagine it resonates with a lot of people. Money has a lot to do with it. People want to be feel as if they're being fairly compensated. But let's be honest. Everybody thinks that they're worth more money. You could be making a hundred and something million dollars guaranteed in the NFL, but you had an agent that thought you were just a little bit underpaid, that was fighting for more. You felt like you were making a concession by taking the contract at hundreds of millions of dollars. You feel like you're worth more. If you're making a very good salary now, you feel as if well, I'm making my boss so much more money, they should give me a raise. We all feel just a little bit underpaid, but it's when we feel undervalued. That's such a big indicator here. How many of us, and you know, I'm not I don't I'm not one to step on people necessarily, um, and I'm not gonna name names, but I've definitely left the job because of someone I worked for and the way they treated me. And I'll be very honest with you, it took me a very long time to get past it. What I mean by that is I wasn't mad at them, I was mad at myself. I was upset at myself for allowing myself to be mistreated, to be spoken to like a child, to be cursed at in front of fellow employees, Um, people throwing temper tantrums in front of other people in a room in my direction. And I'm, you know, 50 years old and I, I don't. I don't deserve that kind of treatment, and I was in a position where I didn't have to take it, but I did for a while. That's the part of this. When you feel disrespected, when you feel unappreciated, people are more likely to go somewhere else. And what One of the great things about the job market in Arizona is sometimes it's what you're doing. We all understand we have a job sometimes that we've outgrown. Sometimes you're working somewhere and you say, listen, this was something I was doing before, but all of a sudden I found a passion for something else. I'm not necessarily feeling fulfilled right here. This is not what I want to do with my life. I would like to do something else and I'm going to explore some other avenues. And sometimes it's as simple as going to the bosses and saying, I'm just going to go do something else. But we all understand that the reason why many reasons why people quit their jobs is they feel as if they're underappreciated. And one of the things that when you become a manager, and I was at a time in management, project management and management of people, and when I owned a small business, there are books and schools and classes and videos about how you can be a better boss. And it isn't about managing money, part of it. It isn't about managing time, part of it. It's about managing people. And when people feel disrespected, they try to find somewhere else to go. And I think it's a great lesson if you're out there running a business, pay attention to that story. How many people in Arizona, because of the advantage of being able to find a job somewhere else, how are you treating the people that work for you? It's a great lesson. In a moment, um, more fallout from the hearing at the Capitol as one person writes in an opinion, whose fault was that hearing? If you don't know which hearing I'm talking about, I'll give you details coming up here in just a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Republican politics in Arizona has been watched across the country, has been satirized on, on uh, news shows and Saturday Night Live and other places. Uh, how much of it is fact? How much of it is fiction? I believe there is a rift inside of both major political parties, which is a reason why we have seen such a huge number of voters register as independent. People leaving both parties or people that are registering for the first time choosing not to align themselves with a political party. Um, It happens on both sides, but it is boiled over in my party, in the Republican Party. Uh, Phil Boaz over at Arizona Republic Wrote an opinion piece about who's to blame for the recent hearing, if you're not familiar with the hearing, a freshman representative named Liz Harris was at a joint um, committee hearing where it was both senators and and uh, representatives that were in this room, and she brought forth witnesses that made outlandish accusations and you can always tell um, and is this just my observation? you can tell when someone has gone too far. They may not say it, but their silence is deafening. We are not hearing anything. We are not here. If, if you had – the accusations are so outrageous, um, and if true, would be worldwide news. Um, it accuses our governor, Katie Hobbs. It accuses our Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, Um it accuses them, along with the mayor, who is a Republican in Mesa, um, members of the county board of supervisors, judges and other leaders of being bribed by a drug cartel in some land scheme that they are using to launder money. And this testimony was allowed that surprised other Republican leadership but is outraged just about everybody. When you have the Speaker of the House who is a Republican, the Senate president who is a Republican, the Senate majority leader who is a Republican, um, when you have them joining together and saying we don't see any evidence here, this is is outrageous behavior – and uh, I, that you, you know that you have really stepped over a line. And now it's gotten to the point where people are asking for proof. But it's interesting what Boaz writes in The Republic about uh, who's to blame for all of this. He said, don't blame Trump. Don't blame uh, Liz Harris. Don't blame Senate leadership. Don't blame House leadership. He blames people like himself. He says he's a lifelong Republican. His parents are Republicans. His family's Republicans. And that Republicans have either left the party or have fallen asleep at the wheel and have allowed people to hijack the Republican Party. And I don't – again, I'm not necessarily agreeing or disagreeing with everything that he is saying, but there is a question about American politics of what are you going to do? Do you – eventually, do you end up leaving it to someone else? And it's a – there is a there is a – I have not always agreed with people. And I will tell you, I love being in rooms with people where um, – we respect each other. We have an affection for each other, but we may disagree on an issue. When you, That's why I like the primary process so much, because you get an opportunity, because we largely agree. In a primary process, candidates largely agree on issues. Which issues are are most important, how you would tackle those issues, that's where you find the differences, and that's where you find the nuances. That's where you find the, the candidate you're going to side with is when that candidate most aligns with your priorities and your solutions. And I think it's a valuable process. But when the process becomes so um, vitriolic that you've divided the party, when you have candidates that are telling members of that political party to get the hell out, exact quote, get the hell out, because you don't they don't agree with you on whatever it is they don't agree with you on. You know, there's some issues within a party. There are many people, and I can only speak from the Republican Party. I'm not one of these people, but there are a lot of people that have spent a lot of time dedicated toward their political beliefs in their political party, money, talent and time and donating all three in very big amounts for years and years and years that have washed their hands of the political party and walked away and said, we'll support individual candidates. We'll find other means to try to get people elected. But I'm done with the political party. And when people get upset about that, they said, you asked me to leave. You asked me to leave and I left. And now you're angry that I left. Well, which is it? It's like a dysfunctional family, and I was just reading this, and I thought, here's the fallout from this, because most Republicans believe that there's a lot that can be done with election integrity. Um, the voting rolls. Uh, you know, it's crazy that we uh, don't have a better handle on the voter rolls and who gets an early ballot, that that system should be very tightly run, that we I want people to be able to vote for, by mail if they want to. But we should, you know, take people off the rolls after an extended extended period of time. We should have a mechanism in place that when somebody dies, they don't get a ballot. And that doesn't always happen. I think a lot of these areas are ways we can tighten up our election system. And I would even go as far as say we should tighten up our election system. But as soon as you start trying to have a conversation about common sense ways to make our elections better, it gets derailed like a hearing like this. Here is supposed to be a, 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 a by chamber, both chambers discussion on election integrity and what can be done to make sure our elections are sound. And it devolves into the what what we saw. And until we stand up, no matter what party you're in and say that's absurd, um, I don't think it it is ever, ever, ever going to change. And uh, to me, that's what I lament more than anything else. And I hope it changes soon. We'll see. This is not the end of this. I don't believe we heard the end of this by a long shot. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals because they are not on the good end of a report about how players are treated. We'll talk about it next.